Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to Ain't That Something, a tripod production. I'm your host, Brandon Martinez. Hey everybody, I'm Brandon Martinez. I'm here with my good friend, Ms. Liz Pham. How's it going, Liz? It's going great. I'm excited for this. Are you excited? Yeah. Have you ever done a podcast before? No, but just a chance to talk all about myself. I'm in for it. I mean, who doesn't love talking about themselves, right? Yeah. Do you listen to any podcasts? Um, not recently or daily. I went like in the winter, I try to get myself to listen to like the news podcast, like NPR's like five minute news early in the morning, just so I'd be a little cultured on what's going on. But like, I broke that habit a while ago. <laughs> it's all right, we all try to break bad habits if you know what I mean. Yeah. So anyways, what are we drinking? We're drinking Josh White Wine. That's a Pinot Grigio from California, 2019. 2019, so it's aged a whole year then. Yep. So uh, you mentioned that you're not a huge fan of alcohol, right? Nope. All right, so we won't we won't drink all of it then. We'll just we'll just sip it. We'll be like class. You can. I. It doesn't matter. I just I know my limits. I know my limits as well. Uh, so we'll drink <laughs> it like classy ladies. Sound good? Yeah. Always all a great time. All right. Cheers to that. <laughs> all right, Liz. So uh, what what have you been up to? Um. So quarantine. Okay. Do you want to go into a whole thing about this? I have like a whole. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear whatever you want to talk about. All right. So, um, quarantine for me, honestly, was a blessing in disguise. A blessing in disguise. Yeah. Why that? So basically, what happened is that the basic things that happened for during this quarantine is that my co-op got canceled, and I was supposed to work at Comcast. Damn and Comcast. Yeah, which, like, I was very disappointed when I got the news, but honestly, I wasn't that surprised um, because they first delayed when our start date was, and then they canceled it. Um, But I was more upset about the experience I was going to miss, not the money, even though I was going to pay be paid really well for a comm major. So, yeah, I just had a lot of free time for myself, and I kind of needed it because... Freaking 2019 was a show for me mentally. And I mean, I don't know if you could tell when you were in class with me, but like, honestly, this past fall and winter term, I really did not feel like myself. Like I was in a dark hole. Oh, I feel that. I feel completely. uh, 2019 was just not a good year for a lot of people I know. Um, Yeah, a lot of things happened to me that like destroyed me mentally. And honestly, like before winter term, I really wanted to like, not do it like take a gap quarter and I've told a lot of people that but by the time I like thought about that I already registered for class and like told them I was coming so I really couldn't do that so honestly this whole quarantine this break thing happening to me like was the break I needed because I like overbooked myself yeah. and burnt myself out on purpose the past two quarters because I just didn't want to deal with my thoughts and then I kind of like screwed myself over for this school year though because I was still in that place when I was registering for classes and making all those commitments. But I think I'm in a clearer space now. See, I feel to you. Handle them. I feel and I relate to you on that one. As um, mental health is really really important um, with students, and I think a lot of us tend to like push it off to the side, and we 
try to fill that void that we're currently feeling by overbooking ourselves with all these extra yeah. classes. Like, I'm an accelerated student just like you, so I'm taking 20 credits minimum every 10 weeks, and that's a lot. But it makes you forget um, what's going on in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the funny thing is, for me, like, academics and school and everything going on at Drexel was never the problem for why my mental health was deteriorating. It was, like, everything outside of, like, in my personal life and school was my only escape. And, like, you, like, not pressured me, but you were, like, the ambassador to get me into. I'm so sorry. No, but, like, it was something that I thought about, but I never fully committed. But then because I was trying to overbook myself and find things to do, and then um, it was also a good benefit because I don't have to pay for a master's and get it in my five years, too, I decided to do it. And then, I mean, I don't regret it, like... It's a good opportunity, but, like, I definitely, like, am overbooking myself. That's why I'm kind of glad, too, that this fall term, it's, like, basically online, except campus is open, because it kind of, like, takes away the travel time from classes to classes, and then I feel like online classes for me, too, is a lot easier, so it kind of eases the stress, so I'm kind of glad for that, but... I agree completely. It's just a... People over quarantine, they're either their mental health got really, really bad or they found clarity. Like for me, I was uh, my mental health was really bad when I was here alone in my apartment. Um, and so I had to go home for about two months. And then it wasn't until my best friends and roommates came back, back when I decided, okay, I've gotten my chance to re- recuperate. I'm good to go back now. But you've been alone almost the entire time, though, right? Yeah, and I needed it. Like, I enjoyed so much. Well, actually, in the beginning, like, when they first said that we'd be in lockdown for two weeks, like, even, like, hearing that, like, destroyed me. Because, like, in the beginning of quarantine, spring break was about to begin. My mental health was at the lowest, especially when they told us we'd be locked up and everything was starting to close. Because at that point in my life, I was just living not for myself, but just to distract myself from my thoughts. And then the fact that I couldn't do anything or go anywhere, just like the realization that I had to be alone by myself and like face all my problems, like for up until like April or like beginning of May, I was a whole mess because I did not like being by myself or be like, I don't know, anywhere with anyone. But then up until that point, I, like, realized, like, when this whole pandemic was going to be more serious, I was like, Liz, you need to face your problems and actually, like, try to fix them because this, like, you're going to be locked up for a while now. And then so, like, since May, I've been trying to, like, you know, get more clarity in my life and try to figure myself out and, like, grow as a person and honestly like me like a year ago to me now are like two different people not even like then like me now from like winter me are like two different people and honestly like I am very proud it's a glow up yeah honestly like mentally like I don't know about physically because I've like really (laughs) got so lazy (laughs) but like yeah like I don't know that's like I feel like when I talk to people about what I've been doing in quarantine, like, honestly, it hasn't been a lot, like, physically. Like, there's no, like, physical, like, results that you can see that I've been doing a lot. But a lot internally and a lot of self-reflection, self-growth has happened. And, like, I'm really proud of that. But also I just feel like I've been unproductive in the sense that I, like, haven't been, like, 
not slacking off on my schoolwork, but I've been, like, doing the bare minimum because I've been trying to, like, regain control of my thoughts and, like, my mental health and that. And then it kind of, like, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like I've been unproductive in the sense where, like, so I didn't really try to find another co-op. Once I found out, mine got replaced because I, like, took the opportunity to just give myself time to figure myself out. I didn't really try. And then I feel like when I tell other people that, well, I don't really tell them, but I was just like, oh, I didn't find a co-op. It's like... Yeah, I know. When you told me, I even reached out. I tried to reach out to my co-op that I was working on previously to get you a Like, I there. tried, yeah. but I didn't try that yeah. hard. Like, I didn't really want to. I was like, if it doesn't happen... I'm not mad about it yeah i am mad about it but then i feel like especially going to school like drexel where it's like work 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 and then you just try so hard i feel like a lot of people are like oh like, i don't know i'm but. very jealous that you had this break uh i mean i know like you used it for personal development i wish i would have done that but being in this program that we are in if we too if we take too much of a break it can set us back a lot yeah especially i think year. That because I'm on the co-op cycle now, too, that also, like, gave me a lot of time. But, like, you, if this whole thing didn't happen right now, you would be in full-time classes anyway. So, like, you couldn't have as much time as I did. So, yeah. But uh, I'm really glad that you are talking about mental health because this is something that not everybody likes to talk about. Um, Yeah, I think mental health is very important to me, not only, like... For me, but a lot of people in my personal life, I've seen them like deal and go through with it. And luckily, like I feel like I've been able to like progress through it, not fully recover, but try to recover by myself without medication because I've seen the yeah. ups and downs and the like consequences of taking medication mm-hmm. too. And like I'm very against taking medication <laughs> because of that. But. I, I agree completely. Um, I think people are our age are doing a really good job about bringing it out into light. Um, uh, full disclosure, I do counseling and therapy and stuff. As I, I think everybody our age should be doing some sort, yeah. of, some sort of it. But when I tell my parents that I'm in it, they're like, oh, well, we support you. But when I was a kid, we just learned to deal with it. And I'm like, well, see, because you're saying that, this is the way that you are now. Yeah. Um, I just think older generations didn't have that ability to... The ability or the resources to go find help when they needed the help. Yeah, my parents were like that too. And like my sister also suffers from like mental health issues. And it wasn't until they saw what she went through, they're more accepting of um, therapy. And then so, and what my sister has been through has been a while now. So my parents are very accepting of therapy. And then they kind of realized, saw me change and go through mental health challenges. So they like even offered me to go to therapy. So like their viewpoint change drastically with that which I'm very glad and like yeah I'm really glad you're going to counseling like anyone who goes to therapy I applaud because I just started actually I went last year like two times but I was on co-op then mm-hmm. and just didn't work with timing and then I told myself in the beginning of quarantine once this whole thing ends thinking it would end pretty soon that I would go find a therapist but obviously it's almost August <laughs> we're still here so, like, I mean, even though I have to do it, like, virtually or over the phone, because I'd rather do it in person because yeah. it's just a different sense of connection. Like, just the fact that I'm really also proud of myself that I was finally able to, like, make that move and go see a therapist. Because, like, then 
I either kept it to myself and, or like slowly started opening up to my friends. But like I hated doing that because I always felt like a burden. Yeah, I that that feeling of being a burden is something that I share with you. It's just it's never fun. But you know what, Liz? I'm very proud of you. Thanks. I'm proud of myself too. And with that, <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break. Alright, so Liz, one thing that I'm really excited about is when I first came to Drexel, I, as you know, I transferred here. Yeah. Uh, when I transferred here, majority of my friends are white. I mean... Uh, I relate. <laughs> I relate. And even back when I was uh, at community college and growing up, I grew up in an all-white school district. Yep. Uh, yep. Very all, similar uh, to me. The, the most uh, diversity I got was when I joined the military. And then when I got out, I didn't have that anymore. So it was just... <laughs> I mean, nothing against my friends. I love all of my friends. Uh, my friends now, you know who you are. Love you guys all to death. <laughs> shout so out. Shout out to all of you. Um, but when I get to see another uh, Asian American like myself, I get really, really excited. And so I'm a second generation American. My mom was born in the Philippines. Um, what about your family? Your family are Vietnamese, correct? Yes, and they were both born in Vietnam and refuged here during the Vietnam War. At least my dad did, and then my mom came here because my dad flew back to Vietnam years later, married her, and then brought her here. Wow, that's the sweetest thing it's I've ever It's literally heard. a love story because I had to do an immigrant like family tree project in like ninth grade, so I had to ask them all these questions, and the way they like told me is like so cheesy. It like, makes me sort of uncomfortable because I like can't picture my parents like that and I also don't want to picture my parents like that but yeah it's kind of cute <laughs> do you uh do you think that there is a, a difference in the way that you were raised compared as compared to your strict like pure American like European American friends uh like do you think there was a difference in like parenting yes definitely and even with other Asian Americans too I think my parents are like in between with that because like you hear the stereotypes and I've talked to a lot of my other my cousins or like my other friends who are also Vietnamese or Asian too and then like they always say like things about their parents like beating them or like wanting them to become doctors and lawyers and then things like that and my parents are like not like that at all my parents never like beat us like thankfully yeah. and that like it's sad that that's like a stereotype yeah. And then, like, with, like, I mean, the common stereotype is, like, pressuring their careers and everything. And mm. then my parents, like, I know on the inside they really want us to, like, make yeah. a lot of money. But the pressure was never there. They were always very accepting. And then, like, they... I'm pretty sure they're not really clear of what my major I'm is a, right similar, now. Yeah. But, like, they they just trust me enough that I'm going to be fine. Especially, like, going back on our mental health discussion, they just want me to be happy at this point because they've seen the, like, downfalls and, like, what mental health and, like, not being happy can do. So, at this point, they're just, like, do whatever makes you happy and we'll support you along the way. And, like, going into college, actually, I... Like, I changed majors. I wasn't originally what a comm major. I was education. Oh, wow. Here? Yeah. Yeah, here. Oh, wow. Yeah, I never transferred schools, but I was an education major here. And I got a lot of shit for that from my relatives, not my parents, but from my relatives. And I remember, like, we're really close to um, one of my aunts and uncles who live in California. And then it was the year I was going to college. And then they're just like, are you sure you want to be there? And they're, they're like, I think you do well in business, or I think you do well in, like, graphic design or something I was like no I want to do this 
And then they just like be like, "Are you sure?" And then they'll be like, "Yeah." So like a lot of the backlash, the traditional backlash and stereotypes comes from like my other family, but not my parents. I mean, uh, for me, my mom's a nurse. My everybody on her side of the family is a medical family. My cousin is a physical going to school for physical therapy. My my grandmother is a medical technician. My like a lab medical technician, so she deals with like body parts. It's really weird. Uh, <laughs> my aunt's a radiologist, and then my grandfather was a lawyer. So it was pushing really hard to, for me to either go to become a lawyer or to become uh, a nurse. And but what I, I joined the military. So number one, that like, like <laughs> what are you doing? And number two, uh, when I decided to become public relations, uh, my mom and stepdad and dad they're always like, listen. I don't know exactly what you're studying, but just know that <laughs> yeah. you are our retirement plan. So you better make. Oh my god! But you better make some money. We're here some say it like that, but they're just like you're yeah, gonna well, take yeah. care of us yeah. when you're older, right? We, you're... we can live with you when you're older. Right? I, I, guess, I guess, mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really exciting. So we sort of had like the same kind yeah. of upbringing and everything. Yeah. Have you gone to Vietnam before? Yeah. So um, I went twice. One of them was with my family, and the, actually the second time was with through Drexel. So I went. And like when I was like 10 with my family and I really like I remember hating that trip because obviously I wasn't young enough to appreciate my culture back then and back then obviously it was before I went to college and I was living in my all-white like neighborhood and town so I like I legit like for a good while my life thought I was white me until, too yeah, yeah like and yeah and so I never appreciated my culture and then the second time I went was the summer of my freshman year and I was in the star program at Drexel which if you don't know what that is is like a freshman research program where you get a chance to do research over the summer and um so by then my research was based on education because I was still an education major by then but it was like education in Vietnam because I found this professor who really loved to study Vietnam, so I thought it'd be a good opportunity. And um, so the school paid for me to go there and travel with her for two weeks and study. And it was about the corruption in their education system, wow. which was actually a really cool experience. And I think back on it a lot. And I, I really miss going back there. And But my parents say once I graduate, they want to take us back. So I'm really excited for that. Same thing goes for me. Um... My both times that uh, my family went back, I was in, in the military when they were doing it. So thanks, thanks a lot, guys. You could have, <laughs> could have waited four years for me to go, but I'm going again after I get to go finally after graduation. But I want to touch on something that you mentioned, that how you said that you were, you thought you were white growing up. I was the same exact way. Yes. Like uh, my, I can't tell you how many times people have told me. Uh, that I went to school with that. Oh, you're not brown. You were you were raised you were raised white, and I'm like. Yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. But I'm so I, whitewashed. I was so whitewashed. And not necessarily saying that uh, it's bad to be proud of like the place you grew up from. But I feel like so many Asian Americans and minorities in general that grow up in this uh, heavily Caucasian areas tend to put their ethnicity in the back burner so they can assimilate to white culture. And that essentially creates a third culture. I think, I know in psych, I forget the term for it, but there's like this phenomenon where it's like third world, like, or third culture syndrome or something like that for like people like us who are raised in a different culture, but like ethnically are different. And um, the funny thing, like the story behind when I realized I wasn't white was at the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> <laughs> 
because every year our school in seventh grade has a field trip there and um i was with my white friends and we were like talking to one of the actors and my friends was like talking to like the actors like asking us like oh are you pennsylvanian dutch and i thought that just meant you were like from pennsylvania and then so my friend who's white was like yeah and then i was like me too and then she kind of looked at me weird and i was like what and i didn't really ask but i was like am i wrong and then i kind of looked it up um when i went home and then like that kind of was the realization for me i was like I'm not white. <laughs> my uh, my stepdad's Pennsylvanian Dutch, but uh, and that's something I've always been like really like keen. Like I love that culture. Um, however, he's always instilled in me ever since I was a child that I can I can embrace the Pennsylvania Dutch culture, but never forget where I come from. And that's just something that so many people tend to do because they want to assimilate into what's the norm. So the other day, I uh, actually like today, I walk, we walked past each other. I don't know if you remember that. Like, hey, yeah. Liz, it's Brandon. And you're like, oh, I know it's you. So <laughs> <laughs> I know who you are. Uh, we see each other all the time, whatever. But um, as soon as I went, went walking past you, I saw like three people right in a row who didn't have their mask on. It was right in front of the 7-Eleven. And I was like, come on, man. Like. The longer you don't wear your mask means the longer I have to wear my mask. And I'm not really trying to wear my mask. It just comes, it's, I just feel like it's so selfish, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think ugh, this whole mask situation, just how much America looks so bad right now on how we're dealing with the pandemic just shows like one of the biggest consequences of our individualistic culture. And I think like recently, like we've been seeing like, repercussions of that not even just like how we handle covid but just how we handle a lot of situations and i think like individualism is a good sense because it like provides us with like innovation like creative jobs and like other things that are out there but i think like we've become so like selfish in a sense like even with this like yeah it's uncomfortable to like wear a mask but like everyone's health is at stake and then just like the fact that this whole pandemic has turned into a um political issue rather mm -hmm. than like a public health issue just like annoys me so much like it wasn't until this pandemic i've seriously thought about like permanently moving to a different country because at this point like this country like just can't handle itself well and just like the way we like i just feel like no progress is going to be able to get done in our country because of just like how singly mindseted everyone is, especially with politics and everything, how everyone has their own agenda in a sense. And I feel like the news and media just looking at that too, like just doesn't help. Like I get really like stressed out looking at it and like not even, like I said before, not even with the pandemic, but just like other aspects of society like you can see individualism like not benefiting the greater good and like the thing is with like collectivism and everything to achieve a common goal like it starts with the individual because that's what makes up the collective so and i think like the biggest phenomenon we see here with the mask is like social loafing, which I don't know if you know what that means. I don't. I would love to know though. It's basically like in a group project, one person, the straggler, 
decides to like take less responsibility and kind of okay. like rely it on everyone else and that's we've what, all been there yeah we all been there but like with this matter of public health like i feel like everyone's social loafing and i think we're all being complacent with like all these issues like with the pandemic with black lives matter and everything and i kind of compare it to this analogy of um you know those moving floors in airports where like you're supposed to like stand with your luggage and the floor just moves itself so i feel like people who are complacent on an issue and don't really are active in trying to like make progress or like those people just standing on those moving floors wow. like you are you might not be you're just standing you're not doing anything like either benefiting or like being against progress but you're still moving towards the crowd on um, how the current like state of affairs is. So take example for like the Black Lives Matter and racism. Like you may not be racist yourself or not doing anything about it, but just you standing there, you're flowing with the crowd that's continuing the racism. You're making instead, it worse, yeah. You're contributing. Instead to of like walking backwards and going against the current. And I feel like that's the whole thing with individualism. Like, you yourself, even though you may not be the cause of the problem, just you thinking for yourself, like, even though I don't have COVID and I don't wear the mask, like, I shouldn't be able to wear the mask then because I don't have COVID. But, like, the thing is, like, you could still get it and, like, it's still, like, for mm -hmm. the greater good. Wow, that's really that's really great stuff. <laughs> you got a lot. You got a lot of. I got. I got a lot. <laughs> hey, we. It's. it's uh, I think another thing that goes along with the individualistic culture is like when we walk outside sometimes, and you see people getting catcalled, and if you don't say anything to the person that's catcalling somebody that you're seeing getting catcalled, that was a lot of words. Uh, <laughs> that you're just as bad as that person that's catcalling, like. Uh, yeah, the bystander effect. Yeah, I uh, I had a girlfriend that came out here um, a few months ago. Well, actually, about a year ago, not a few months ago. And we were uh, we were walking to the art museum, going to the art museum just to look at art, obviously. And while we were walking up the stairs, somebody was saying some really like rude stuff to her. And obviously, <laughs> I said something because that's somebody I really care about, still do, even though we're not together. Um, but. Uh, what really like made me happy is when uh, another person that was walking to the same place as we were at the art museum steps stepped in and said something for us on our behalf, and they didn't have to, they didn't have to do that, but they did, you know. And that just shows that even though people are tend to be individualistic, there are, there is an outlier that will stand up to the rest. Yeah, the whole oh my god, hat calling and everything, just like it was. I liked the whole quarantine and like social distancing in the beginning when people actually really enforced it because that made me feel a lot safer going outside because people couldn't stand six feet like any closer than six feet away from me so strangers couldn't come up and talk to me and catcalling for me has been a really big issue here in the city which I dread so much and I hate that it has to be this way like I hate that the fact that I like, I am scared to go outside, like, most of the time by myself. Yeah. Like, that sucks, like, that feeling. Because I like going outside because it's, like, especially during this weather, it's so nice. It's beautiful. But, like, just, like, the fear and then, like, that, like, 
contributes to a lot of decisions I make, like what I wear. Like it sucks that I can't wear what I want without a like people thinking that like oh she's a slut oh she's a hoe or like people like I feel like like I like wearing the mask because it hides my identity when I go outside so it gives me yeah. less of something for guys or like people who can't call for me them to like look at and like say something to me like I feel like when I go outside I have to wear something that gives me no shape I wear my sunglasses, wear my mask, try to hide myself as much as I can just to avoid, like, people saying stuff about me. And then, like, I walk fast because of, like, I don't know. I feel like that's something I developed in the city. But, like, a big reason of that is just to avoid, like, a conversation or, like, someone saying something I can attest to the whole walking fast thing. I've walked with Liz to class, and she's she's mowing. She's going. She's Yeah, I feel like I walk so fast. But yeah, that's like one of them. And then I hate the fact that I know different routes to get to the same mm. area on streets that are less busy. And I choose to like, sometimes I have to like take longer to get somewhere when I could get there more efficiently. But just because like of the fear that I know this place is crowded with like homeless people or like men or like, or just more crowded or like in an unsafe area. And then so I have to go like maybe 10 more minutes out of my way to get to the same place on a less busy street just so I feel more safe with myself. Like, I hate that I have to feel this way. And I hate that people, especially young ladies, feel that way. Um, whenever my friends that are women, I hang out with them, we go to the bars, whatever, I never let them walk home alone. Um, even though we're, we might both be intoxicated at the point, it just makes me feel safer that I get to walk her to the door so I get that reassurance that... I get to see her go in the door and I know nothing's happening to her at that point. And I just feel like more people, I'm going to say men, people, men are in power. Like they have, they yeah, have it's a, a whole power. They have, the, they have the, they have the ability to make sure that doesn't happen. And sadly, a lot of people, a lot of and men, the reason yeah. why it happens too, is also because men have that power. Yeah, and they and feel like they have that power. So you can use that power for good reasons instead of nefarious yeah. reasons. Walk your friend home. Just because she's you're not your girlfriend doesn't mean you can't make sure she's safe. If you're working with your group member and she's a, a woman and it's you're working late at class, walk her home to her dorm. Walk her home to her apartment just so you know that she's okay. Why? Because we're in a big city. There's a this we're right near West Philadelphia. I would never put anything bad in West Philadelphia as a whole, but it's just the small people that make it bad. And I just think we as men could be doing so much more to make life for females in the city much more safer and you know what like i hate the most about this is that like men like the people who cat call they'll stop if a you tell them you have a boyfriend or they see you with another guy that just shows they don't respect the woman yeah. but they respect the men and that's what stops them from yes. disrespecting the women. And even sometimes that doesn't work. Like, I'd be walking with my guy friends. Or I remember the one time I was literally, like, actually on a date with a guy. And then people, like, actually went up and catcalled. Like, even sometimes they don't even care about that. And, like, that sucks. Like, just being objectified like that. It's not okay. I can't... I remember one time I was walking uh, between locations when I was at my co-op. It was my boss and then it was my intern and my boss... She's just, I'm a little bit older, so she's my boss is the same age as me. And then we were walking, and then a man just who's you know they sell the stuff on the side of the street, yeah. comes up and then he puts both of her arm, both of his arms around my coworker, my fellow intern, and my boss. And that was just like you could see the look in their faces. I'm like, 
I'm like, guy, we gotta, like, we're going to work, like, this is not okay. And like, what, your workers don't have enough time for to talk really quick? I'm like, number one, one of them is my coworker, and the other one is my boss. They're, they're not my workers, you know what I mean? Yeah. And are they not allowed to be my workers because they're, they're female? And that's exactly what he was thinking, because he was a saw man with two females. And I remember my first internship, or my first co-op, too. That was like, at a... But like there were like people who worked there too who also like hit on me and cat called me like in the workplace where a place where I'm supposed to like feel safe at least but like even then I can't avoid it which sucks and then like things like that small things like that just like ruin my day like I remember that happened like right when I walked into work that day and I got so agitated that day it like sucks and the, th- the overarching thing that sucks is that it makes you feel like as a woman that the only value you offer as a person is your physical appearance yeah. that like internally that doesn't matter and like that's something I've been struggling with a lot in general even like before like coming to the city and experiencing this like in person like I've struggled with that and then just having that happen and that fear when I go outside just reinforces that and like this whole quarantine like I said before it was kind of me trying to like fix that mentally but like it just doesn't help when like outside I have to worry about that every day yeah. and it's, it's really sad that that has to happen and if I can do whatever small part I can do to make sure that my friends or the people around me don't feel like that, then I, I, I guess I gotta do it. Guys, we gotta speak up. We can't just sit in the corner anymore. This is a good conversation, right? Yeah, I love talking about this stuff. Just like deep stuff. <laughs> this is the most Joe Rogan I've ever felt in my life. Right? Hey, Jamie, pull that up. Like, just kidding, guys. Um, <laughs> so, dating in the age of quarantine. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so, I re- just re-downloaded Tinder. I always download and like re-download it every four or five. Like when I'm bored, laying in my bed at like one o'clock in the morning, just swiping left, swiping right. Never really goes anywhere. But I've had two Zoom dates oh so far. I can't same, imagine. With the same person. And you know what? She's uh, 31 years old. I'm not going to say her oh, name. She, but she's a paralegal by day. Pinches enthusiasts by night. And it's like, this is the most adult I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> I'm 25 years old, dating a 30... Go get it! <laughs> dating with the quotations around it, 31-year-old. I mean, right now, we're just we're just friends, you know? But it's got me optimistic for the future, you know? How about you? How are you feeling with that? Dating in this culture, I haven't had too great of an experience. And I'm glad you're optimistic because I'm very pessimistic towards <laughs> it. Um, I used to have Tinder like over a year ago. I like the beginning of 2020, I deleted it for yeah. good because it was not good on my mental health. And I always like, I was like you, I would like re-download it just for fun like go back and forth and everything. But like I knew what it was doing to how I felt about myself. So I deleted it. But like the thing like dating in our generation The thing that bothers me the most is, so with memes, like, obviously people enjoy memes because of the relatability, but I've seen so many memes that normalizes cheating and, like, objectifying women, and that, like, just seeing that, like, really discourages me from dating. At least, like, it may be just, like, a generational thing, like, people in our age group right now, like, college may, like, think that way, but, like... That's why, like, 
I've like pushed it off. It's not like a big priority and deal. And I've always been an independent person, especially now since quarantine, I've learned to like not accept myself, but like how to deal with, like I enjoy being by myself, being alone and not really like talk to other people, which kind of sounds sad saying out loud, but like, I'm fine. Like I know how to tolerate myself. I don't feel like I need to be in a relationship. I'm like dependent on something. A relationship's not something that like, I strive for like my end goal in the future to get married and everything. So like, I'm fine with that. And like, just seeing like, like that, like memes that normalize cheating. And even I've been like in experiences where people tried to cheat on their girlfriends with me, or if I've seen it like firsthand and it just sucks that to see it that way. And I feel like a big part of it has to do with like, apps like tinder and social media in general because you have all these options out there also social media like has false portrayals of what like happy relationships are because obviously in social media you only post the good stuff so people feel like when they go through the downfalls of relationship like oh like on social media it's never like that so this person must not be good enough for me or anything so like it's just so tricky for me and then even like with cheating in general that concept I feel like that's very like subjective now with social media like obviously like if you sleep with someone else yes that's cheating yeah but like a girl can take like a guy liking another girl's Instagram picture is cheating you consider that cheating I mean, I feel like that has to do a lot with how that girl views herself and, like, insecurities and everything. But, like, I don't know. I feel like people... It's funny because also I see memes where, like, people, like, rant or, like, those tweets where it's just, like, why can't people just be decent and, like, good for me? And then, but, like, our culture normalizes these, like, cheating behaviors or being a boy and everything when I'm on the inside... (laughs) when on the inside all we want is to be respected and treated well but even though that's all we want there's this culture of like being a player and everything and that's what we follow so would you say that you're hopeless romantic then regardless of everything else i mean from my past i'm very bitter towards relationships but like obviously like yeah, I'm a girl, and, like, there's that little part of me that's a hopeless romantic, so if, like, someone sweeps off my feeling, I'll be like, ah. <laughs> For me, I like to say that well, I'm single, but I'm not ready to mingle. I'm just doing me. Yeah, basically. It's more that I'm single, and then if anyone tries to mingle with me, I run away or push them away. <laughs> but, yeah, basically... <laughs> I'm very guarded with myself because I really don't want to get hurt. And homie, I go to Drexel, 10-week terms and everything. I Plus, got, I don't, yeah, I don't got time to get hurt right now. Relationships? Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, maybe after I graduate, I'll consider getting hurt. But right now, I really, I don't want to go back in my dark hole where I was like Let me get that graduate degree ago. first and yeah. then we can talk. Let me be that doctor so I can fix myself after I get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you said a doctorate? Oh, wait, master's is different. Never mind. <laughs> you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so what do you do for your free I know, like, you've cooked mac- uh, macaroons before. Oh, yeah. And I've like, they look like those really colorful Krabby Patties. <laughs> pretty I, Patties. Pretty Patties. And I've always wanted you to make some, but, like, I can never just be like, hey, Liz, make me those. Honestly, I, you could, and I would. I love baking. They look so... <laughs> I see, I, my mom's a great baker. 
Like, yeah, probably not as good she, as her. No, but like <laughs> she's a really great baker. Like, like she has a, a side catering business. I didn't get any of that. Like, <laughs> I I can't like so to me like baking is like taking like the Sara Lee stuff out of the the you know the pre-packaged yeah. stuff. Yeah. I made brownies for a party that I was having at my apartment. Okay, that's me with cooking. Like, cooking and baking are so different. I agree. So I can cook, but I can't bake. I can bake, but I can't cook. I can cook, but not like, I can, I'm not like creative. Like, I can't like do things from scratch with like, like, I'll eat like anything. So it like, it'll be edible and like taste like mediocre for me, but it's not like, wow, Gordon Ramsay. Like, I can't cook like that. So what else do you do for fun? Um, well, quarantine now, I started running a lot. I've which, seen your Instagram post. Yeah, I know. I feel like one of those people. <laughs> got, me, got me feeling lazy. I know. And like, I motivated Abby to start running too. That's what she tells Abby's me. Our, Abby Haas is our good friend. Who's I love awesome. her. Who's awesome. so Shout out to Abby. Uh, Abby, if you're listening. What's up, girl? You're uh, the best. You're the best. <laughs> But yeah, like, no, I'm honestly so surprised and proud of myself for that, too, because, like, like any normal person, I hated running before quarantine, but then all the gyms started closing and everything, and I needed to do something to, like, ease my mind, so I just, like, I kind of forced myself into it, and then, like, now I get runner's high and mm-hmm. shin splints everywhere, <laughs> too, but, like, it's just so cathartic for me now, and I, like, increase. Not de- no, decrease. I cut my mile time by like over a minute That's now, crazy. and I'm like so impressed with myself. I'm, I'm actually really jealous of you. Uh, I blew out my knee when I was in the military. Uh, that's why I'm not anymore. I was medically discharged after four years. So uh, I'm really jealous of you. I live vicariously <laughs> through you because I loved getting that runner's high. I just. I never, I never had a, if you see me now, it's like, gosh, dang it, Brandon, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I blew out a knee. That's what happened. So, but I, I walk a lot. So like, uh, whenever you see me, like if I'm not like in my apartment, I'm out walking, I'm an explorer. <laughs> and like, I can never get like, uh, public transportation, it's shut down right now. But it's so was, gross too. But I was never that guy that relied heavily on public me transportation. Either. I would walk to my co-op. Well, it was on 12th yeah, so and, did I. Twelfth and Chestnut. What's the point of taking public? Well, tra- there was no public transportation for me to get to mine. But yeah, I walked like a good two miles every day last summer just to get to my co-op. Like, the, like I mean, you don't get people are like. Well, how do you get sweaty? You don't get sweaty. You just leave in regular clothes, and then you change when you get there. It's not a. Big I didn't deal. even change. I just got sweaty, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, bro. So uh, you listen to like music and stuff, like right? Yes. What kind of music are you into? R and B, but I don't. The uh, thing with me, music, I'm very like not stuck in the past, but I don't really explore new music. Like I like going back to like songs that I used to listen to. Like I like music for the purpose of nostalgia and like yeah. taking me back to those memories and everything. But like yeah. I don't know. It gets annoying when I keep, like, listening to music and it's, like, the same thing and I want to discover new music, but I'm, like, so picky and I also don't listen to the radio anymore because that's how I usually used to, like, like new songs. It's like a... Spotify has a discover new music playlist. I'm not about that. I know. I try it when I really get desperate that I was like, I need something new to listen to, but I'm like, "Mm, not for me. No, thanks, man. I'm really picky. (laughs) I feel like... Who are some of your favorite musicians? Uh, let's see. Who have I been listening to lately? 
Summer Walker, Kalani. I love Kalani is my woman oh my crush, God, celebrity crush. I love her. She performed here my freshman year for Dragonfly. That's how I got into her. Wow. Now I love her. Uh, whose album? I think it was Kalani's. I actually been listening to a lot. Um, Daniel Caesar. Like just like a lot of like the sad art. You, you listen to this guy named Fora. Or no. What about uh, you? Should tell his R and B. You think he'd really like? He's sad R and Bs. I think he'd like. Listen to the weekend. <sighs> Love the weekend. <laughs> I remember back like in 2012 when he was just able and like he was this this quiet guy nobody knew about. I don't like his new stuff and then now. He blew yeah. up and now everybody knows about him. It's like no, yeah. that's not the weekend. It's very elitist, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. I've been trying to stray away from the sad stuff, though, because it makes me sad, and that's what I've been trying to avoid now, but, like, it's so good. So good. <laughs> it so, hits you differently. <laughs> it does. It's like a, you, you really feel it when it's a sad song. I know. It's I like, wouldn't be sad. I start listening to it. It's like, oh, it's God, like, I'm sad. <laughs> preach it, bro. Like, I feel you. It's just, I don't know. Music can t- just take us to that place that I know. nothing else can. And that goes back to the whole mental health thing, like... Music has a big place when it comes to mental health because it can put you in a mood or it can get you out of the mood. I know, and I think, like, I listened to a lot of sad music and that really didn't help me, but it's just so good. It's <laughs> so good. So, yeah, that's really, like, that's really crazy. So, like, I cr- uh, when I took over this podcast, I wanted to take a- I wanted to change it from what it used to be. I had to just strictly interview a show, right? But that's not what I wanted with this. I wanted it to be me my friends in a bottle of wine where we just talk about different things and just build a relationship off of that, you know? Uh, I mean, we, we were friends before, but we never talked about like this crazy stuff, like intense conversations that we're doing right now. And I think that in the end, that helps build up on the relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah, and um, I don't know, like, cause this is literally, like, I talk about that you talk about when you're high, except I'm, like, never high. I just like having these deep, profound conversations because I like thinking about this stuff. And it's kind of hard finding other people who, like, can also think about these things or like to hear about it because some people just don't want to, like, go into an existential crisis right now, which I understand. I think we're all experiencing our own version of an existential crisis. Yeah. I'm in one right now. It's like, totally I've been in one. <laughs> Yeah, but like, I don't know, like, I like these kinds of friendships. And I was actually talking to my friend yesterday. He was asking me, like, what's one of your pet peeves? And I was like, honestly, small talk is one of my pet peeves because it just seems so fake and genuine. Like, but I understand, like, why it's there because, like, obviously when you meet a stranger, you need something to relate to. So you kind of, like, bring up, oh, how's the weather? Because you both know what it's like outside. But, like, I like going straight into that deep shit. Just jumping right into it. Just jumping right into it. And then, just yeah, with your whole idea of like friendships and getting to know people through this podcast I think that's really great and like friendships like I've learned a lot about it this past like few years too like I don't like I mean I like I said before I'm a very individual person I like being with myself like I like I describe myself as an extroverted introvert because, like, I know how to socialize. At least I think (laughs) I can socialize with people, but I prefer to be by myself. And I don't have a lot of friends, like, a lot of close friends, at least. Like, I know a lot of people. I can get along with people easily, but, like, I only have, like, about six close friends. And I feel like 
especially like people stuck in that high school mentality where popularity is important. I was never popular. And then I think that like mindset, just like the biggest thing I've learned through college is just like the quality and uh, quantity of friends. Mm -hmm. And like, I heard this good analogy is like, you rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies because even though you have less, they hold more value than just having a hundred pennies than or just one cent like flakers and that are never there for you. And then like another thing about friendships with me that I like kind of discovered, I feel like it's kind of arrogant though, is that I, I hate group friends or like being in groups kind of just like I like prefer like most of my friends I'm friends with them one-on-one I don't have like a group of friends or like the most like group of friends I have is like three people because I just like having a one-on-one interaction with someone mostly for the part where it's just like it the attention's either on me or them and then I never feel like excluded in a third person like sense but yeah like and then, like, another, in- like, interesting thing about, like, friendships with me is that, like, with all my friends, like, it's hard, like, to celebrate, like, my birthday, for example, because, like, I can't, like, it's annoying bringing groups of friends together because for me, like, friendships, like, I feel like this is a really <laughs> way to look at friends, but I don't, like, mean it like that, but it's, like, the best way to describe it is, like, they each have their own purpose, right? Yeah. So, like, one of my close friends that I saw yesterday, like, I had these kinds of conversations with him like we like to read books together and like talk about like deep stuff and be really self-reflective while I have my other group of friends from like high school they're like they're my white group of friends and I could be like my basic like girly self with them and they're like my girlfriends and I could be like the typical girl with them. The high school stuff right there. (laughs) And then I have like friends where I'm just a big old clown with like I could just be like silly and like just like do dumb shit with them like each of my friend groups like show a different part of me and like have a different purpose for me which I think is very interesting, but it's also like annoying it's when like because they're all a part of me, but I know they won't get along together because they're so different. Yeah, but I'm just I've never seen you or had a conversation with you that was this deep, and I'm <laughs> I'm really excited about this. You know, um, I feel like I built my relationship with you in the past 51 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Our friendship uh, was. We're just never extremely close. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're friends, but we're not like friends on that level. I just feel like I've this, the amount of stuff that you've said tonight really just opened my eyes. Like, wow, you are this awesome person. You have so many different views. And if to lose you as a friend after hearing what you're saying would just completely like crush me because <laughs> you have just so much good stuff to bring to the ta- table. I'm so glad I got to learn about it tonight. Yeah, and I'm kind of glad that I got to record it too for this podcast because I feel like it definitely brings a different side of me than what people see, especially yeah. in class. I feel like I come off as a big... <laughs> this is going to be a no-no word. <laughs> a big bad person. Yeah, a big female dog to other people because I know I have a big RBF because that's like partially when you walk on the street and see me. Oh, like I know you've done it. Like You've mentioned <laughs> to me like many a times. I just like look so angry. Because I'm always, like, in the zone, and also I never wear my glasses, so I can never, like, really kind of fully see clearly. So that's why I never, like, wave to people. On that, I saw you walking yesterday down Walnut Street. You really were? I, 
I think I did too, but I wasn't sure. And, like, I and I'm really glad for the mask because that gives me an excuse whether if I do recognize them. Like, because I didn't. That's why I was like, I, she looks like she's like on a mission. I was yeah, like, I know. I'm gonna let her do her thing. I'm gonna talk to her later on. Later on, it's all right. No big deal. I know. I like feel like embarrassed when people bring it up, but like I like partially it's because I don't wear my glasses, so I'm like don't want to embarrass myself and say hi and think it's the wrong person. Or yeah. like I know people listen to music too, so I'm afraid they don't hear yeah. me. So I just like let them do it. But like yeah, you know what that that quirk makes you you. And you should be proud of that. All right. <laughs> Thanks. I want to say thank you so 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 much for being on the show. Yeah. Because I learned so much about you. Yeah. And I'm so proud that you pulled through uh, because I know you texted me a couple of times saying that you were nervous and you didn't know what to talk about. But you it was more said, nervous that I just like not connect my ideas and people would think like I'm freaking crazy. But no, you're not crazy. <laughs> you are absolutely perfect. Like I say all, I say all the time, like, well, one time, <laughs> I'm just the host. You're the star. And you did that absolutely great i'm gonna take over guys (laughs) Um, on that note um yeah so liz is there anything that you want to plug before we uh, get to going um prssa me and brendan are on the e-board for that public relations student society of america a lot of hard work goes into that organization is my baby um Please come and support us, come to our meetings. We try so hard. We're a lot of valuable information. Scott's the best. And you don't need to be just PR major to be in there. We got a math major. Shout out Bronwyn and Talene. <laughs> you guys are great. We have a marketing major in there. It's good stuff, you know? We are a family. At, at the end of the day, we are a family. Liz and I started out from the very bottom as just general body members and look at us now look at us we controlling this organization i mean i'm not i just do social media it's whatever but really she's the vice president and she does it amazingly so liz thank you so much for being on the show yeah. you were amazing guest you're an amazing friend i'm so proud of you i'm so proud of everything that you've become over quarantine you're doing a great job, and you're an absolutely amazing person. Thank you. So can you do me a favor and close it out for us, please? All right. I'm closing it out. Thank you guys so much for having me on this show. Thank you for listening. Um, I really appreciate it so much, and you should also thank Brandon for all his hard work that he puts into it. Um, you guys can follow me on Instagram at LizFam with two Zs, so L-I-Z-Z-P-H-A-M. I don't know why I did that. Um, yeah, good night. <laughs>Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you heard, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Ain't That Branded. It's A I N T T H A T B R A N D O N. As always, I'll see y'all next week. Thanks for stopping by. Let's get it. Ah.